Hello, everybody. Welcome to Beyond Trans. This is the Beyond Trans podcast. My name is Andre, and I'll be your host today. A reminder that the Beyond Trans podcast, our intention is to uplift the transgender community and to also uplift the sukkah of humanity. So that's our intention. Our email address is beyondtrans at gmail.com, and that's without the E in it. So it's B-Y-O-N-D-T-R-A-N-S at gmail.com. Feel free to email us with any questions you might have, comments. We'd, we'd love to hear all of it, any of it, anything we can do to support you. If we don't have the answer, you can count on that. We'll get it for you. So we, we support you. So our guest today, welcome to Beyond Trans. So our guest today is Chelsea. Um, Chelsea is um, a friend that I met at a support group. She came and sat down right next to me one day at a meeting, and I just, I just knew we had a connection. It was like, oh, look at that. So, you know, and we, like, instantly held hands for a little bit and just have been very supportive of one, one another on our path in the short time that we've, we've known each other. Um, you can count on that. Um, I trust Chelsea implicitly with you as our listeners. Um, she... Uh, She's full of integrity, and she is who she is in the world, and it's a wonderful thing. So, welcome, Chelsea. Thank you. Happy to be here with you. So, I guess we'll start with a li- if you could share a little bit with our listeners about yourself. Um, how long have you been out, um, and what what is or what was the coming out process been like for you? Okay, that's wasn't a single point that I can say where I came out, although I did have um, a meeting with my um, atomic family, my family of origin, when I officially formally went on hormones and started the WPATH process to follow through from male to female transition. that, however, happened later in life, and earlier in life, I had the same people to deal with, and I can remember being of the sense that I was not physically, I was not anatomically correct from the time I was potty trained, and so I figured out tools for handling uh, the rough uh, cowboy world that I grew up in out west. Um, there was no tolerance from my parents or grandparents or extended family for transition. Um, So during those times, those were the days of uh, when Bowie came out and like that, um, and some androgynous styles became popularized, and that was my path to deal with um, uh, an, an uncaring and quite judgmental world. Um, I bided my time and waited, and I realized that I could not change people's minds on my own. Um, I just have to ask about how old were you when you came to that realization? Because that's really, I just want to presence that that's a really huge 
point in our path when we realize, you know what, I can't change others. All I can do is change myself. So around about what age did that happen for you? And remember, it's different for everybody. Sure. That for me was when I was 25. And at the time, I had a a catastrophic uh, physical experience that resulted in um, a surgery and uh, a time of convalescence. And, and during that time, it, I realized that um, uh, although I felt um, inside like a woman, that my body was not going to change on its own. That was the end of childhood for me. I had hoped and hoped all the way through and dealt with uh, boys' locker rooms and having to dress out for PE and all that and been bullied and everything else. And then at 25, I, I realized and I was on my own that I couldn't do it and I felt really hopeless. Wow, that's really something, the, the part about how you had just hoped and hoped that your body would change to accommodate what you felt inside, which was you were a girl. It was magical thinking, but it was, it was the way my brain coped with the, the trapped feeling of being in a world where I was expected to go to work in an oil field or become a... Uh, a petroleum engineer or something, all things that were just untenable to me, as, a, as bad as having to live in, a, in a, the body that I'd been born in. And so that's, that's how I came to that strategy for surviving those years. So you, you used that tool up until you were around 25, and then you you realized, okay, I'm going to change. And then, and then, so boom, you're right, there's a big life change for you. What did you do from that, from that point in your journey to support yourself in being authentically who you are on the outside that match, matches who you know yourself to be? Okay, well, I was at this point in life where I had I had failed to graduate from college. I didn't have a manual skill. <laughs> And I had to take care of myself because my parents weren't talking to me anymore. And my thought process was something along the lines of, and I lived in a small community, and it seemed to me that the tow truck driver made enough money to get by with a household. And I thought, trans or no, surgery hopes or no, I had to have that much money in order to make it as an adult. Just enough, I didn't want a lavish life or anything, but I wanted to be enough to maybe have a family and be able to feed, feed kids if I had them. Like that, something like that. And so once I had that, the ability to handle that amount, then I looked at the, at the maybe having surgery someday and like that. I'm not saying that's everybody's path, but that was my thought process on it because I didn't have anywhere else to go. And so that by necessity, that became my thought process. And I tried to transition a few years later um, when I was 30. Um, and I saw that it just seemed impossible. And so I lost hope in a certain way, but I found other ways to help myself. I um, had I, um, adopted children um, and the, so uh, I, I was able to be a surrogate mom in a way for a few years 
until um, the next opportunity presented itself. And it did eventually, but it, it took years of, of saving and trying to figure out, you know, to find what was important to me in life, what was important to me about being female. And part of that was being a mother and being a nurturer. And since, and I'm still not able to have babies, that, that, ends, that drive inside me is so strong that I have to find other socially acceptable ways to fulfill that desire that I have inside. And so I figure out what it is that I wanted to do and then worked back. And for me, it took so many years. Mm. I, you know. Isn't that's really something that you would... Because you weren't ready to transition, you chose to support a family and and like that. You know, it's like you just took that on and did it. It's pretty amazing and raised children for 14 years. You know, it's like how much do we put, something we can all ask ourselves, how much do we put in front of ourselves to like delay or avoid or or use as a coping skill, like Chelsea used that as a coping skill. Okay, okay, I can't transition yet. Well, I'll do the family thing. So, like, for us to authentically and honestly look in our own lives and say, okay, what am I doing or, you know, what am I choosing and having, you know, so that I can avoid really, like, this core thing that's perhaps most important to me, um... You know, because we don't want to deal with it, or we just don't know how to deal with it, or um, it's just too much, it's just too confronting, that sort of thing. So, well, and two, these other alternatives, you know, working with other people, maybe having a, a working as a, a teacher or as a, you know, a, as a nurse or something where you're helping other people, that's fulfilling in itself. And if that's your part of what's going on, it can, it's going to be, feed the world, whether or yeah. not, you know, where, regardless of where you are in transition, right. um, those, those activities are still fulfilling in themselves. Yes, very much so, very much so. Um, and they can't substitute, though, what we experience to be true, you know what I mean? That's exactly it, yeah. it's still, and I, I just couldn't stop until I but once I realized once I realized that I had enough money saved with insurance that happily I had insurance at the time um, then I formulated a plan the WPAS standards are online and you can read you know I need to see a therapist and there are plenty of good therapists here locally to spirit and after pulse there were a lot of therapists moved here and so there's much more broad acceptance in that larger community for people transitioning even if families of origin or maybe peer groups are not and in metropolitan areas these days those resources are readily available Mm -hmm. it's less so in rural areas and that's where people who are still living at home have to rely more on internet until they can get to a place where in-person resources are available. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I admire about you, Chelsea, is your um, determination and your resilience and you doing whatever it took to 
choose to be yourself authentically. Like the story about your father and... Um, Go ahead. I'm going to let you tell that about your father. And then also if you would tell the part about um, the car and just the choices you you made for yourself because it's authentically you. Okay. <laughs> well, um, let's see. Um, I grew up at a time and, and in a place that is... Um, where social mores and values were different. There were a lot more uh, segregated. People were more isolated and rural communities lived within themselves more and didn't have as broad a worldview as we do these days. And um, when I was a kid, everything about my world seemed awful. I grew up, uh, you know, in a oil refinery family and uh, you know everything they taught you in high school was how to be a uh, you know how to do uh, organic chemistry to do petroleum derivatives or how to do international business accounting for the oil industry and I just dreaded life by the time that experience at 25 happened I was just through living I was just I couldn't believe that humanity was all in that direction but I knew it was going to be that way from an early age and so I I started a lawn mowing business when I was eight and then I wound up mowing lawns on my suburban street um, until I was 15 and the my my goal my focus was to buy a car so that I could leave home <laughs> and Early on, back when I was eight, I was going to take my brother and sister with me, and we were going to live as boxcar children out, you know, on an abandoned railroad line somewhere and eat cans of beans that we pulled, dragged up out of the landfill. But and by the time I was 16, I had a more realistic worldview, and I knew by then that I wouldn't be strong enough manually to do, to work at the Port of Houston or something. and. So um, I knew I had to go to college, and so I made concessions in my thinking in order to attain what I really desired most out of life, which was a safe place that I could sit and read. Um, and so in order to do that, you know, I, I got that car, and I did get the hell out of Dodge as quick as I could. But then I, you know, pred that predicated a lot of my other actions of learning how to deal with this very modern world with cell phones and machine shops and a lot of things that seemed way too big for me. Um, and the authenticity, I think, comes from us having to invent our way out of our messes in life. That oil patch childhood for me was provided the necessary conditions in order to invent whatever authentic self I needed to get away from there. And that became my focus, just like yours or any of our focuses may be on I have to get through transition. I really like that, invent our way out of it. You know, that's so, that's, that's another um, good point is 
another way I've heard it said is we, we carve out our existence. You know, we have to carve out our existence. So, yeah. And it takes ingenuity. And that ingenuity um, mind, you know, it can be put to use for other things. <laughs> um, well, and... Uh, speaking of invented minds, we all have them, and we are all connected in this because um, when I was a teenager, for instance, uh, to put this in context, this was in the the early and mid-70s, David Bowie, I mentioned, was out, and he had spiders from Mars and sort of the glam rock and costuming and we love David Bowie. What an inspiration. What a, what a trailblazer. Thank you, David Bowie. We love you. I love you. But David Bowie and Wendy Carlos were pipe dreams. They had oodles of money. They were independently wealthy or something. And they had, you know, friends and family that adored them. And what, whoever knows what I ma- imagine their lives were like. But mine wasn't like that as much as I was inspired by the music. And so I made concessions based on the context that I was growing up in that rough world. Um, and those were my choices to choose the battles I was going to fight because uh, the, ultimately I didn't want to wind up just being some beaten down oil field worker with a rack. I wanted to be um, myself. And in order to do that, I, you know, I look back now at my childhood when it was so hard to figure out how to you know, I couldn't just wear a dress to school or to work because I would have been maybe murdered. I don't know. But you have, so you make choices, um, but you try to be prudent about how you do it with the end of the war in sight. What do you want at the very end? And then you can predicate your current actions based on that end desire. And I didn't need to win every battle. I needed to win that whole thing where I got to transition at the end. Another way of saying that is, what can I do for myself today that my future self will thank me for? So you listeners, you know, you can think about that. What can you do today? What things can you do today? What actions, what actions and deeds can you do today that your future self will thank you for? And write them down and start to check them off because you're worth it. You are. And by I want to mention too that the um, the child, you know, those my early teenage years, I have since discovered that as much as we want to transition to become somebody, we already were that person, and it is really super important for us to integrate that person we were even if they're in our minds ugly if they are just I looked I, I looked so different than what I felt like inside and I wanted to wear pretty clothes and knew I couldn't but the person who made those decisions that dressed androgynously instead of full blown femme that's the same person I am now mm-hmm. I just I look different on the outside, but my thought process, my decisions, and my mindfulness are that same person. Yeah. And I, we need to remember to cherish those people. That yes. same person who sits there day after day doing bomb hits and thinking about 
some kind of goth suicide is the same person who is able to get through a transition, you know. On that note, uh, suicide ideation uh, has been prevalent in the past with the transgender community. We're changing that one podcast at a time, one sharing at a time. Everybody, each one of you, as you share, as you learn, as you grow, as you become that shifting. Today is World Suicide Awareness Day, so it's perfect that we're doing this podcast today. Uh, In the past, one out of every two transgender youth had attempted suicide, so... Um, And what's unfortunate about that is, uh, from my understanding, if you, if anyone attempts suicide, you know, the soul has to come back and do it again, so, and not only that, more, so it's not worth it. (laughs) You're, you know, it's like, find a way to stay alive, as Kate Bornstein says, find something to stay alive. Like Chelsea, she made choices for herself that some people might judge. But you know what? She did it, and she did it so she could stay the heck alive. So whatever you need to do, choices for you, as Kate Bornstein says, do whatever you need to do to stay alive. Just don't be mean. Don't be mean. And I will say, as somebody who has marks on my arms um, from uh, four suicide attempts, not all of them were that violent, <laughs> but uh, that was the first one. And every single time, I have thought that that was the end of the world. And I can tell you, sitting here today, those the the end of my lives that would have occurred then were a drop in the bucket compared to the the wondrous divinity that I am able to experience now. Uh, having peace in my heart at the end of this, you know, at this juncture in the road. Um, it was more than worth it because getting better doesn't even begin to express how it feels to have peace of mind with who you are. Doesn't begin to express how you have peace of mind with who you are. So, well said. So, Chelsea, you're at a bus stop. Pretend you're at a bus stop. Mm-hmm. And there's people around you. What, and you haven't met them yet. What do you most want people to know about you that they may not know about you? I would, I think the answer is probably leading toward like, oh, I'm a poet, or I'm, you know, I'm an amateur astronomer or something. But I think the thing I really want people to know is that the light that is inside me and the, um, and the joy comes from the experience I'm having as a living, breathing organism on this earth who's connected so integrally to every other living creature on the earth and to me that that joy of feeling a sense of community after being a pariah a trans you know a black sheep my entire life and people at the bus stop may not recognize me they may look at me and think oh what an ugly big bird or whatever 
Who knows what they think? But I know standing at the bus stop, I'm riding on a bus with these other people and I'm part of a larger community. And that feels so good to me. Yeah. Not that anybody's going to do anything for me because nobody really is. It's give and take. You know, the whole world is. But just to be a part of it, to be a unique fingerprint in this whole sea of terraces of fingerprints wow. of all the people that are now and that went on before us, that's really a privilege. Wow, that, that is so beautiful. Thank you. Um, a fingerprint. And also another way of saying that is, you know, we are each a unique masterpiece snowflake. None of us is alike. It's beautiful. Thank you for sharing all that. And I, as a PS to that, the things we do in together are just bigger than what we do alone. And so if we focus our thoughts on things that we can do as part of our larger community, even if it's just being a friend, you know, or but maybe it's you know, making coasters for people who have sweaty glasses or something. You know what I mean? It's any, it's where we're doing things for each other that, that builds us all into one world community. And if we get to be a part of it, it's just really, really wonderful. And so the larger community is humanity. That's it. I see us all walking that road you called the Ring of Fire, the mountain chains yeah. that connect us all. And to be a... A trans woman, I speak from my for myself at this juncture of human history is just uh, it's just I feel like we're just just on the verge of a springtime because we're becoming who we are and we're allowing ourselves to be those people and that's when our light shines through. Mm -hmm. Well said. So <clears throat> on today world suicide. Prevention Day, if you're having any thoughts like that, if, pay them no mind, as Marsha Johnson says. Pay them no mind. Just thank you for sharing. And then if you need assistance, reach out. Don't be so prideful that you don't reach out for assistance. There's the Trevor Project. There's your local LGBT community. There's, there's all sorts of resources out there, and you're worth it. Your soul is worth it, even though you might not feel like it, or your mind is telling you something. It's not your feelings or your mind that are you. It's your soul, your, your royalty. You belong here. If you're here, you belong here. So I love you. We love you, and we support you. Thank you for listening. So again, our email is beyondtrans at gmail.com. If you'd like to email us, please, please, please feel free. That's B-Y-O-N-D-T-R-A-N-S at gmail.com. So it's beyond trans without the E. And we're just going to close today with a guided meditation. Chelsea, I'm going to ask you to join me in this guided meditation and all of our listeners. I like to end with this. So just um, we're going to just do a future progression here. We're going to imagine the planet where coming out is no longer a thing. There's no such thing anymore as coming out. It doesn't exist. So what does that feel like in your body? Feel it. 
Mm. What are the people around you like? Know them. What are you like when there's no longer this thing called coming out? What does the earth feel like? Imagine. Imagine that. Thank you to all of our listeners. This is Beyond Trans. I'm Andre. Again, thank you, Chelsea, for joining us. Thank you, Andre. Namaste. I hope Love I you. don't sound like a cordial. <laughs> you sound amazing. Let's say I love you on three. One, two, three. I, I love, love you. you.